Welcome to the Christian Life Austin Sunday Morning Message. Today, we kick off the Christmas season with a special message from Lead Pastor Rex Johnson. In the sermon, we will learn about the three greatest gifts God has given to us. With today's sermon entitled God's Christmas Card, here is Pastor Rex Johnson. to speak today on a subject that I'm not going to be lengthy on, but I'm going to speak today on a subject called God's Christmas card. God's Christmas card. We're going to just kind of kick her off into the Christmas season today and turn to your neighbor and say, I hope God's got something good for me in his card. Would you sit down? You may be seated. God bless. You may be seated. God bless you. There's a woman who waited until the last minute to send Christmas cards She knew she had 49 folks on her list, and so she rushed to a store and bought a package of 50 cards without really looking at them. That's a problem. Still in a big hurry, she addressed the 49 and signed them without reading the message inside. On Christmas Day, when things had quieted down somewhat, she happened to come across a leftover card and finally read the message she had sent to 49 of her friends. Must have heard this may it read like this. This card is just to say, A little gift is on the way. (laughs) And suddenly she realized that 49 of her friends were expecting a gift from her that they were never going to go get. They're never going to get it. She's not going to send it. But unlike that unfortunate woman, God's card comes complete with gifts. He just doesn't send a card. He sends gifts. James said every good and perfect gift is from above. And comes from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. I want you to go home and read Psalms 104 today. It's a great chapter, 35 verses. And David talks about God's first gift to us, and it's the gift of creation. Everybody say creation. Creation. Aren't you glad you woke up today and was able to stand on some strong terra firma? Aren't you glad you were able to breathe air? Aren't you glad you wasn't even conscious when you were breathing air? It just happened because God just made us that way. Isn't it an amazing thing to drive down roads and to look up in the sky and to realize this just didn't get here by a big bang, that there was something greater than that? God lets us see every day the creation of what He is. He is an awesome God. In Genesis 1 and 1, Moses wasn't trying to tell us and argue about God's existence of of, of the beginning. He said, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And then in verse 27, God created man in his own image. In verse 28, he said, God blessed Adam and Eve and said to them, be fruitful and multiply and have dominion over the fish of the sea and have the birds of the air and over every living thing that creeps upon the earth. God gave us a commission in Genesis chapter 1. See, God created the world for us not us for the world. Let me say that again. God created the world for us, not us for the world. He wants us to have dominion over this world and not the world have dominion over us. The Christmas card lady had sent cards as a message of love for her friends. That's how David viewed creation. Psalms 104, David marveled at the gift of creation. Showed him how much God cared for him. I can picture David today with his little harp up on the hillside, strumming the harp for his family of sheep, feeling the wind on his face, watching the trees blow in the wind, looking at the Mediterranean Sea and seeing all of the mountains off in the distance and streams flowing down through the valley. Pretty nice place that he was sitting there. 
That's how I pictured it. And it strikes David as he sees all of this, just how wondrous a God he has and he will be. Just how much God cares for him. One of the great concerns of people is that they want to feel close to God during this time. Many people want a sign that he's there and that he cares for us. I got tickled at a little BC comic strip one time that had their character, one of the characters praying to God. And the character said, send me a sign that you're there. And out of the sky dropped a marquee with the words, I'm here. (laughs) That's what creation says to me. God is saying, I am here. Men are on the deer stand today hunting deer, trying to shoot Bambi. I'm, I'm again it, but they're shooting Bambi today. And they're out there because they want to get close to creation and hear God say, I am here. I'm as close as creation to you. I really am, God is saying. David understood that because he understood the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Our problem is that often we don't take time to pay attention to what's going on around us. I want you to get a keen understanding this Christmas season of what's going on around us. Those people who do pay attention see God in all that surrounds them. Dr. Warner Von Braun, the scientist who helped our nation launch the space program, once wrote, One cannot be exposed to the law and order of the universe without concluding that there must be design and purpose behind it all. He said the better we understand the intricacies of the universe and all of its harbors, And all it harbors, and the more reason we have to find to marvel at the inherent design upon which it was based. Can you imagine, folks, from here to the day that the Lord created, the sun comes up every morning. It goes down every evening. The earth rotates around the sun. Can you imagine that? Can you understand that God Almighty has just put this earth on just the right axis so that we will not fall off as the earth whirls? Can you imagine that God puts just as much enough oxygen in the, in the atmosphere for us to breathe? I'm telling you, I'm overwhelmed sometime by the creation of God. The law and order of the universe, we see God's handiwork. You don't have to be a scientist, though, to understand that God got his order of creation intact. Next time you're in a grocery store, H-E-B, Randall's, wherever you go to get your bluebell, next time you're there, <laughs> look at the watermelons. Just go look at the watermelon section. Each watermelon has an even number of stripes on its rind. Open up an orange and cut it open. Each orange has an even number of segments, never an odd number. The next summer, walk through a field of wheat. Pluck a stalk and count the number of grains. Each stalk of wheat has an even number of grains. You know what that tells me? God is not at odds with his creation. But he's even. Because he's in agreement with what he created. Because when he created it, he said it was good. And when he made us, he said it's very good. I'm telling you, if God's not at odds with his creation... He doesn't want to be at odds with his people here today. Somebody needs to clap your hands and say, I'm even with you, Lord. I love what you're doing in my life. There was an astronomer by the name of Alan Sandage. Said he was almost a practicing atheist atheist as a boy. By the way, have I told you that God doesn't believe in atheists? But was nagged by the mysteries whose answers were not to be found in the glittering armor of what we call supernovas. Among them was a question, why is there something, he said, rather than nothing? Why is there something and not just nothing? And Sandage began to despair of answering such questions through reason alone. And so at 50, 
He decided, I cannot fight this thing any longer. So he gave his heart to the Lord. He said, it was my science that drove me to the conclusion that the world is much more complicated than can be explained by science. And it's only through the supernatural that I can understand the mystery of existence. And that is the only reasonable, that is only reasonable because much of what we know of science came in the, into existence because of Christianity. He said science was made possible because of the Bible and had declared the world was predictable. Romans 1 and 20 says, I love this, for the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Did you hear that? Without excuse, none of us. Some people look at creation and deliberately ignore God. But in creation, God is saying, look at me. In fact, when he said, let there be light, in the original Hebrew, he said, let me be seen. God wants you to understand that he is God today. You may be feeling lonely and despondent right now because it's becoming the Christmas season. But I want you to have hope today. I want you to look at the universe. I want you to look at creation and understand this didn't get here by itself. There's a God in heaven that created it. And if God created that and made man, he's mindful of us even now where we are in our life. Can you clap for that? Because God is mindful of everybody. He's mindful of us. The second gift that God sends is the gift of redemption. Everybody say redemption. Everybody say, I've been redeemed. We have a young man in this church that's going to be a great, great older man. He's going to be a, a success in life. I've already pinned it on him. His name is Pierce. He belongs to Doug and Christy. And when he was just a little boy, he was the oldest of their family. There was a baby brother and baby sister coming in his life, and the family was growing. And he came to me one day just about this big, this little old bitty thing, but he was always kind of smart and sharp. He said, Pastor Bo, I don't care how big we get. He said, when it comes to dinner time, I'm the blesser. <laughs> Kids can say it, can't they? Kind of reminds me of little Timmy sitting in the lap of his aunt one Christmas, and he was ready to get down. But his aunt gave her usual requirement for letting him go. You can't get down until you say the magic words. In case you've forgotten, aunt, uncle, grandma, grandpa, the magic words are pretty pleased with sugar on top. Except for this time, Timmy turned to his aunt and simply said, Unto you is born this day a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. She said, my God, where'd you learn that? He said, Sunday school. Now let me down. <laughs> I want to tell you, unto you is born this day a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Amen. Let me break this scripture down for you. Two words at a time. Backwards. Luke 2 and 11. Everybody say a Savior. A savior. This, day this day is born, is born. Unto, you. unto you. Say it again. A Savior. This day is born unto you. Now say, a Savior. This day is born unto me. Put yourself in the picture. The joy of the Christmas card from God is that we have redemption story. Jesus came to save sinners, of which I am chief, the Apostle Paul said. The true gift of Christmas is unto you is born a Savior, and a Savior saves. See, two words makes the difference. Galatians 2 and 20, 
I love this. I love John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believed in him should not perish but have everlasting life. But I like Galatians 2 and 20 a little bit better. Paul said, I live my life by faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Come on, it's all right. Put your hand on your chest and say, he loved me. Come on, say, he loves me. And he gave himself for me. It's not just all about everybody else. It's about me. I want to tell the octogenarians, I want to tell the people who are alone this Christmas, who are by themselves, that even though you're alone, you don't have to be lonely. Because there's a God that's walking in the house with you. I want to tell you he loves you. And if he sees a sparrow when it falls, he's going to be there with you. You're not eating dinner by yourself. You're not going to have Christmas dinner by yourself. There's going to be somebody at the head of your table called God Almighty. And he's going to be there with you because he came to us. He didn't stay in the great heavens. He came to be with us. Redemption story is that God became man and dwelt among us. The Son of God came to live and to die and to give himself a ransom for us. The angel said unto you, Paul said it was for me. Look what you did here was for me. I'm giving me to you, Paul said. Someone once told of receiving a Christmas card that said something like this. If our greatest need had been information, God would have sent an educator. If our greatest need had been technology, God would have sent us a scientist. If our greatest need had been money, God would have sent an economist. But since our greatest need was forgiveness, God sent us a savior. Jesus came to save. Anybody saved today? He came to heal. Anybody been healed today? Jesus came to forgive. Anybody been forgiven today? Jesus came to deliver. Anybody been delivered today? He came to mend hearts. Anybody been mended today? He came to bless. Anybody been blessed this Christmas? Could somebody clap your hands and say, whoa, it's been a great year, 2015. God's been good to me. God has been good to me. Famed psychiatrist Dr. Carl Menninger once said, and listen, if he could convince the patients in a psychiatric hospital that their sins were forgiven, 75% of them could walk out the next day. The thing that drives people crazy is that they think that there's not someone that will forgive their sins. I'm not that person, but I preach about him every Sunday. The gift of redemption is with us today. You don't have to not have your sins remitted. You can be washed in the blood of the lamb here today. The Lord Jesus can save your soul today. See, it's time to quit hiding from that. Some of you are, have mental bars in your mind because you cannot understand that forgiveness is for everybody. Oh, hallelujah, let me preach right now. You can be forgiven by Jesus Christ. When Adam and Eve sinned in the garden by taking of the fruit of the forbidden tree, the first thing they did when God came around was hide. They hid from God. So many people hide. They try to get away. I beg you today, seeker. I beg you today, person that may not know Jesus Christ. Quit trying to hide from the Lord. The best friend you ever had in your life is one you've never met if you have never met Jesus Christ. He's here to give you the gift of redemption. It feels so good to be redeemed. 
it feels so good to be forgiven. I was at a funeral not long ago and I heard a man sing. And I'm not a singer. Boy, I produce some, but I'm not one. But I heard a man sing and as soon as he started singing, I started crying. He started singing this song. I'm no longer a slave to sin. I am a child of God. I'm no longer a slave to sin. Sounds pretty good in the church, but it's not real good. I am a child of God. You need to sing that this whole Christmas season. I'm no longer a slave to sin. I am a child of God. We got so many people that want to sing. I thought you'd be singing with me, but now to drown me out. The third gift in God's Christmas card is the name Jesus. We are living in a society that wants to take the name of Christ out of everything. I'm fixing to get passionate here. Jesus is the sweetest name I know. Jesus is the greatest name in all the world. Amen. But I want to tell you, there's not a name like Jesus. There's no sweeter name than Jesus. There's no more greater name than Jesus. It's the greatest name that I know in all the world. At a Charlie Brown Christmas. Anybody ever seen Charlie Brown's Christmas? It's old now. But you know the familiar scenes of Charlie Brown, sadly, looking for the meaning of Christmas. And Snoopy, my favorite dog. His Christmas decorations on his dog house. And Lucy's Christmas pageant and Charlie's pitiful little old Christmas tree. It was horrible. And Linus' appearance on the center stage to answer Charlie's questions about what it all means. Because Charlie never knows. But Linus quotes straight from Luke's account of Jesus' birth. And those are all things we know about what that is special. And what I just learned recently is contained in an interview with one of the co-creators of that show. When Charlie Brown's creator, Charles Schultz, who has passed away, first suggested, included the mention of Jesus in the special, he met with some serious objections, especially from the network. They almost tubed the project because they feared they wouldn't be able to sell advertising on a show that talked about Jesus. But Charles Schultz stood his ground and he simply said, if we don't do it, who will? So we're going to do it. And the rest is history. And with his groundbreaking project on the line, Schultz refused to edit out Jesus. I want to say something this Christmas. I refuse to edit out Jesus. I refuse to hit the delete button on my computer and say Jesus does not matter. He is the reason for the whole season. There's nobody like my Jesus. Nobody like him. Was an example of courage for everyone in that show and every one of us who claim to belong to Jesus. Listen to me. You don't have to be crazy about it in the office or stupid about it in your school. But I promise you, you need to claim the name that's above every name. Because the pressure's on wherever you go, work, school, to leave out Jesus. And that's not something new. In Acts chapter 4, Peter and John were beaten. The disciples were beaten. The Bible, the, the, the Bible talked about the same men that crucified the Lord had arranged 
to tell them that they, they, call, not, they call them in and, and again and command them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. They didn't, it's amazing. They didn't care if they talked about morality. They didn't care if they talked about the Bible or about God, but don't mention Jesus. And Peter said, judge for yourselves whether it's right in God's sight to obey you or obey God. But we cannot help but speak about what we have seen and what we have heard. Some of us here today would not be here had it not been for the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Some of us wouldn't be here had it not been for the name. You know what? Hell wants to destroy the name. That's been the order of hell for over 2,000 years because Satan knows the power to defeat him is in the name. According to the Bible, the only name under heaven by which we can be saved is the name of Jesus. And in Philippians, the name at which every knee will bow in heaven and earth and in hell is the name of Jesus. Satan himself is screaming, do not mention the name. Do everything but mention that name. But I got three words for Satan. I rebuke you. <laughs> Hallelujah. Now I'm going I'm to walk a little bit. I'm going to walk because... I love, I love what I'm talking about right now. There's nothing like the name of Jesus. Whisper it, yell it, talk it. There's nothing about like the name of Jesus. You know, you can talk about George Washington till you're blue in the face and he'll never show up. He's dead, he's buried. You can talk about Abe Lincoln and we'll talk about him until we can't talk anymore. Talk about all of his victories and the Emancipation Proclamation, but he'll never show up. But you start talking about Jesus. You start talking about the name of the Lord. All of a sudden, he's going to show up because he's the one that lived and was dead. And behold, he's alive forevermore. And he has the keys of death and hell and of, of the grave. Jesus is alive. And if he's alive, he's not going to be deleted this Christmas. He's going to be a part of our project of what we do. We're going to do all that we do in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Clap your hands and rejoice in that right now. I close. I close. I once read a story of a missionary team that had been invited to Russia. See, if you don't like my preaching, just hang around. It won't last long. <laughs> preaching don't last long. Missionary team had been invited to Russia to teach Christianity. It was Christmas time, and as they taught the story of Christ's birth at an orphanage, everyone listened in rapt attention and amazement. None of the kids or the staff had ever heard the name of the Lord before. And one of the missionaries wrote, we gave the children some materials and instructed them to create the manger scene they had just heard about. And all went well until they got to one table where one little boy said, and he looked to be about six years old and had finished his project. As I looked at the little boy's manger, the writer said, I was startled to see not one but two babies in the manger. And I called for a translator to ask why. And looking at the completed manger scene, the child began to repeat the story accurately until he came to the part where Mary put baby Jesus in the manger. Then he started to ad-lib his own ending to the story. He said, and when Mary laid the baby in the manger, Jesus looked at me and asked me if I had a place to stay. And I told him I had no dad nor no mom, so I don't have any place to stay. Then Jesus told me I could stay with him. So I got in the manger, and then Jesus looked at me and told me I could stay with him forever. Putting his hands over his face, the little boy's head dropped to the table, and his shoulders shook as he sobbed and sobbed. And he had found someone 
who would never abandon him, would never abuse him, would never throw him out, someone who would stay with him forever. And I promise you this preacher in his 60s has found that same Savior who's never abandoned me, who's never abused me, and never asked me to leave. In fact, he said, I have etched you in my hand, and no man can pluck you out of my hand, because that's how much he loves me. Delete Jesus? No. X Jesus out? No. Tell people he doesn't matter? No. He is the reason for the season. There's nobody, nobody like Jesus. Merry Christmas, Austin. God is saying, Merry Christmas, CLC. See my creation. See my redemption. See my name. Enough said. That's all I have to say. And that concludes today's message. Please visit clcaustin.com for the latest news, to register for an upcoming event, or to support the Christian Life Ministry through our online giving portal. Thank you for listening.